Thank you, worship team, for that. Uh, that's the main thing, right, that we would give God glory. That's why we're here, so we're not moving away from this moment. We're just going to uh, continue to worship the Lord by listening to him. Isn't that cool? We get to hear from God. That's a real incredible privilege. And so why don't you take your Bibles and uh, let's go to the book of Luke. We'll be in Luke chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, you can kind of follow along with us on the Bible app. Uh, we, we've, we've got it there under events. You can kind of take your notes there and follow along with the scripture. Or you'll notice our ushers are coming around. You can just slip your hand in there, get their attention. They would love to give you a copy of God's word. We want you to have that in front of you. We are in Luke chapter 1. We have been looking over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the kind of the life and the experience of Mary leading up to uh, the birth of Christ. And so here we are picking up uh, verse 46. We're here, Luke chapter 1. Mary is going to sing a song for us. And uh, I think this song best captures uh, the spirit of Christmas. Anybody got Christmas spirit? Let's hear it. <laughs> Something like that. Okay, so here's the deal. I know like we talk about Christmas spirit a lot around here and, and, and uh, everybody's trying to get into the Christmas spirit. And uh, if you see somebody that's wearing a really ugly Christmas sweater, um, sometimes you're like, they're, they're, man, they've got a lot of Christmas spirit. Or you're driving along and you see somebody whose house is like completely decked out in your lights and you're like, wow, they've really got a lot of Christmas spirit. We, we know like in the movies, it's really important to have Christmas spirit, right? You got to believe because that's what like powers Santa's sleigh and makes reindeer fly. Uh, and, and without it, like where, where's Christmas going to be? And, and, and we want to have the Christmas spirit all year long. And, and sometimes we have to learn uh, the Christmas spirit, kind of like, like Scrooge who knew how to keep Christmas well if any man alive possessed the knowledge. Uh, we all want to have Christmas spirit. The question is, how do, how do we get that? How do we get that? Well, I went to the one place that you, anyone would go if you were looking for it. Uh, wikihow.com is how to do pretty much anything. And uh, so they've got some suggestions for us that I think are going to be helpful. Here is how to be, uh, here's how to be full of Christmas spirit. Here are just some of their suggestions. Uh, first one's this. Watch some great classic Christmas movies. That's pretty obvious, right? How many of you have already watched some Christmas movies? Yes. I would suggest maybe uh, Muppets Christmas Carol, uh, Home Alone, something along those lines. I will say, can I just say this? Uh, I think that Hallmark movies do not count. That's not in the Bible. That's just me. Uh, but I don't think that that really gets us into the Christmas spirit. Here's another one. Uh, get in touch with family and friends if possible. Um, decorate as much as you can. I feel like that might be giving way too much license to some people. Um, but I think it is important um, Hopefully you have your tree up. Here's one. Make a to-do list of things to accomplish before December 25th. Okay, so whoever wrote this list is obviously type A, right? Because I don't know about you, that does not jazz me and get me in the spirit of Christmas like seeing a whole list of to-do items. Some of you may feel like that. Uh, send out Christmas cards. Make a Christmas list. Make sure everything is cleaned and uncluttered. Told you it's type A. Literally, this is what they said. By making everything clean, you will spend less time concentrating on the cleanliness of your environment and have more time to spend concentrating on Christmas. I'm going to assume that some of you understand that. Make a countdown. Get an advent calendar. Um, here, book, book your Christmas leave off work if possible. 
um, which uh, they suggested that you get your boss a good present too, and this may increase their kindness. If you've not done this already, you're too late. Um, yeah, I, do, I do not understand this one, but make people laugh with puns. Somehow, apparently, this is supposed to get us in the Christmas. Here's what they say. Uh, on a, uh, here's an example. On a computer, stick a notice on such as, please will Yule log off your computers when finished. Also, don't make a strange and confusing pun like, that elf is a rude elf. It can cause confusion. I have no idea what that means and how that was supposed to help. And um, here's, a, here's, here's a really good one. Use mistletoe. This is a really good way, guys, to win with your wife. Uh, but don't do this. It said try taping the mistletoe to a hat and walk around with it on. Not a win with your wife. Uh, make sure you avoid the wrong person. I have no response to that. Listen to good Christmas songs. Be generous uh, and give. And the very last one, smile. Smile to anything and everything. Get really happy. That sounds like, it sounds like one of those parents that, 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 you know, right before you walk into church, you're like, you're going to smile. You're going to be happy about it, okay? Like, that's, that's what we're going for. We want to be in the Christmas spirit here. I've got a better explanation and probably a better example for us to follow here in Luke chapter 1. Mary's song is going to really give us a better example to follow here. So just so you know where we're picking up, Mary is... Uh, she had this special announcement made to her by the angel Gabriel who said that she was going to have a baby even though she was a virgin. And in fact, uh, it, it, the, the reason that she knows that is because nothing will be impossible with God. And he gave her another little clue there to help her understand the power of God. He said, there, there's another miracle that's going to happen. Uh, your, your relative Elizabeth is also pregnant. She's going to have a baby even though she's like way too old to be having babies. And so Mary does what's natural. She just goes and she checks it out. And sure enough, Elizabeth is pregnant, and she hears Elizabeth's joy, and now she gets to uh, burst into song herself here in verse 46. I think she's just following along with the advice of uh, Buddy the Elf that the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. So here she goes, verse 46. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned home. Lord, I, I pray that you would even meet with us this morning. We don't want to move away from worshiping you and, and giving you this glory. I pray that you would teach our hearts to sing like Mary's. Would you remind us of some truths that maybe we've forgotten? Would you show us just how great and awesome you are? So that when we say that we lift high the name of Jesus, we're not just doing that on Sunday morning. We're not just doing that in song. We're doing that in our hearts. It's, it's true of us. And I pray that we would be disciples that are in awe of you and that really love you. And we want you to get the glory here today. And speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Well, let me give you a big idea of this text here uh, just this morning. This and kind of keep it simple here. The spirit of Christmas is worshiping Christ. That's the spirit of Christmas. The spirit of Christmas is worshiping Christ. So this is kind of a, a pillar sermon for us. One of our four pillars is unashamed adoration, that we lift high the name of Jesus in worship. We believe that. We're going to do that. And uh, I think in this, uh, this little prayer that Mary sings here, we have three elements uh, that we can see for your worship this Christmas. If you're taking notes, why don't you just note this one? Magnify the Lord. Magnify the Lord. We get that from the very first verse here, verse 46. It's really simple. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Now that word magnify is really interesting. It actually uh, becomes the title of this. Maybe you've heard uh, that this song is also called the, the Magnificat. That's the Latin phrase that we get from that word. The word actually means to extol or to, to praise something. She wants to, uh, uh, to praise the Lord, but in the Greek, the word is mega luno. Mega meaning big, great. So the idea is you want to make something great or to show it to be great. In fact, to better understand this word, I want to uh, show you how Jesus used this word in a negative sense. Uh, Jesus used this word in Matthew chapter 23. I've got it for you on the screen. He was talking to uh, some people around him about the Pharisees, and, and here's what Jesus had to say. They do, the Pharisees, do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. Now, I realize that many of you are like, what in the world does that mean? Okay, so the phylacteries uh, were, were these boxes uh, that they would stuff little scripture in, and, and they would tie them to their forehead and on their arm. They were trying to bind this word around your forehead and around your arm. And so they've got these, and they're really broad. They're really big because they want people to notice that, right? And, and then they would have their fringes long. Well, the fringes were these, these tassels on the corners of their, of their garment. So, so maybe you've seen this. If you've seen a, a Jewish man today, sometimes you'll see that. Maybe he's got a shirt, but underneath you'll see these like tassels that are hanging down. They, they, they were actually commanded to do that. Uh, Numbers chapter 15, the Lord was the one that told them, make tassels for your garment so that when you look at them, you'll remember all the commandments of the Lord to do them and to be holy. So this was before you could ask Siri to remind you. You would just look down and you'd see the tassels on your garment, and that was supposed to remind you of what God had said and that you were supposed to be holy. And so what Jesus is saying here, Matthew chapter 23, he's saying these Pharisees, they make their tassels long, or better yet, they, they magnify the tassels. Why? Well, it says because they want to be seen by others. They, they want other people to notice. They want somebody, they're like expecting that somebody's going to come on and be like, hey, bro, you got some really nice tassels there, man. Like, that guy must be really holy. He must be really in tune with God. They want that, and, and Jesus isn't saying that that's a really good thing. Like, you should make them really long. You should make it so that everybody can see. What he's saying is hypocrites magnify their outward appearance of obedience to try to impress people. You ever try to impress people? You ever try to make it look like you're a really good Christian on the outside? You got some church clothes? You got, uh, you got a, a Jesus fish? Or, or better yet, your little harvest sticker that you got on the back of your car, right? You're dropping Bible verses on Facebook and Instagram, um, or, or it's even better when you can like post a picture of you doing something really spiritual, like I don't know, like 
serving in a soup kitchen or doing your devos in the woods or something like that. Um, and, 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 and then, like, you, you're the person that we, we, like, introduce a new song on Sunday morning and everybody's looking around, like, trying to learn it. And you're the one that can sing out because you've been listening to K-Love, right? And you know these songs. And, and, and when, when you come to small group, uh, you've got this impressive prayer language and, and, and you can reference Gospel Coalition articles and maybe that joke from Babylon Beat. Like, listen, listen, don't be embarrassed if those things are genuine, but don't fake it just to try to impress people. What, what, what does Mary, what does the text say that Mary magnifies there, verse 46? What, what does she want people to notice? You see it? It's not, wow, look how blessed I am. I must be really great. No. What she's saying is like, God is so great. And because of what God has done in her life, she wants people to, she, she, she wants to point people to him. And she wants to magnify the Lord. Now, magnifying does not mean that, that she somehow makes God greater than he already is. He is infinitely great. There's no room for improvement. He doesn't need that, okay? So, so what does it mean to magnify? Well, the, the idea of magnifying is, it, it really is kind of like a, like a magnifying glass. What she's trying to do is like focus in on him. She wants to draw your attention. Like, do you see him? Do you look, look at him? Do you, I want trying to highlight how great and how awesome is God. Not doing it for herself, because as we've said, the, the story of Mary is not really about Mary, is it? It's really about Christ and the greatness of God. That's what she wants you to see. And so she says, my, my soul magnifies the Lord. The, the, the idea of soul is, is who I am on the inside. It, it's the real me, deep down at the core of who I am. She is in awe, and she wants to worship the Lord. I think that's actually the test of the true Christmas spirit. Who are you magnifying? Do you really want people deep down to notice the Lord? Do you want them to see him? How great he is? Or would you have to say that if I'm honest deep down, I really want people to notice me. Are you that impressed, like God is just that awesome? Or are you kind of impressed with yourself? How do you, how do you respond to compliments? When somebody tells you like something really nice. Most of us aren't like super arrogant about that, but we've kind of developed this slick little like false sense of humility, like oh stop. No, no, it's not. I don't want to interrupt you. Keep going. You know? We don't know what to do with it. What is your goal in getting ready in the morning with your appearance? Why, why did you buy that car? Why did you buy that outfit or that phone? Why do you want, why, 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 why'd you make that your Facebook profile pic. Why do we want to hide when we're embarrassed? Why do, why do we tell little, these little lies to try to make it sound like we're not that bad? Or we embellish stories to make ourselves sound a whole lot better. Why does it bother you so much when somebody doesn't really like you? And what really is your motive for being good at what you do? 
Can we just be honest? We spend a lot of time trying to impress other people, don't we? Like, I really want people to notice me. I, like, I, I got to tell you, like, this, this like, rocks me because if, if my motives were exposed, almost anything I do, is it really for Christ? Is it really for his glory? Or am I kind of hoping I'll get somebody? Who are we magnifying here? When I'm trying to be noticed or when I'm trying to be recognized, when I'd like some compliments, when I want praise, when I, when I just want to be liked, or even when I feel um, depressed or uh, devastated when, when I'm not, that's not a self-esteem problem. You know that? It's not that I think too little of myself. It's really that I'm thinking about myself too much. And it's probably that I have a really big view of me and a really small view of God. And it's kind of like looking at myself through a magnifying glass in a mirror. And all I can see is me. And I don't even have to like what I see. I may want to change it. But what's my focus? Am I really just focusing in on myself? We gotta, we gotta say, like, what an impressive woman that when she hears somebody give her praise, like, blessed are you among women. She doesn't turn that into, well, I must be pretty great. Didn't do that. But she doesn't, she like deflects the attention. Like, no, 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 not me. And she tries to magnify the Lord. How quick are you at deflecting? How quick are you at trying to say, no, no, look at here. Do you see the one who really is awesome? How quickly are you trying to make it obvious that you really love the Lord? Think about this last week. The people that spent time with you uh, this last week, would it, would it, would it have been obvious to them that you, you're just in love with God, that you worship him? that you think he is so incredible, that you are impressed with him because you can't stop talking about how great he is. Or do, or do you think the people that spent time with you this last week would say, now it's pretty obvious you're just focused on your problems and what you got going on in your life and want people to kind of notice you. The spirit of Christmas is worship. Do you know that, 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 that what, we're, what we're really saying is, is something that's not just happening on Sunday morning? We're not just going for some songs that will come in on Sunday morning. We're you know, like, oh, yeah, i gotta got to pay my dues. And, uh, yeah, God's, God's really great. And then we go on the rest of our day. What we're talking about is this has got to be true in, in our hearts. I want this to be a reality in my life that I think, I, I, I praise God. I want to respond in praise to him, that I know him, and I know that he is glorious. I want him to be the first in my life. As Jesus said that the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. It's not just some external, outward thing that we do on Sunday. Do you really value God? Are you impressed with him? Do you think that he is worth it? Do you see that he is the only one that is worthy of our praise? Are you in awe of him? And is that reflected in your 
priorities on Sunday and, and on Monday and Tuesday and, and throughout the week? Is that something that's going on that I love and want to worship Christ? I mean, we haven't even gotten very far in this song, and like that just wrecks me, doesn't it? What an awesome thing that she would say that. My soul magnifies the Lord. Just imagine what, how your life would change and, and how our church would grow if we really wanted that. If I wanted to magnify the Lord. You say, how do I get there? How do, how, how do we, maybe I'm struggling with that. Maybe, maybe I spend a little bit too much time looking at myself. Uh, how, do I, how do I get there? Well, you're not going to magnify the Lord unless it's really true that you really are in awe of him. And you're not going to be in awe of him unless you're growing in your knowledge of him. I want to show you something. Um, Mary's song is actually um, almost repetitive. She's doing what the Psalms told her to do. And I want to highlight for you the, the parallels to other scripture. She says, my, my soul magnifies the Lord. Here's what Psalm 34, I've got it on the screen for you. Here's what Psalm 34 says. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And Psalm 103, 103.1, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. So what's going on here? Is, she, is, she, is this like plagiarism? Is she just like copying this down and, and, and kind of writing it off as her own? Or, or is she just, like, is this coincidence? Like she didn't know that was in the scriptures? And oh, look at that. Like, it's, no, no, what's happening is Mary had spent time in God's word. That's how she knows that he is that great, that he is awesome, that there's no God like him. That's how he is magnified, not just on the outside. He's magnified in her own heart, in her mind. She knows that he is great. I would ask you, are you in constant pursuit of God in his word? Does your schedule say that? Does your schedule tell you that you, are, you want to know him? that you are spending time with him in his word, that, that we're getting into it every day because that, that, that self-centeredness, all of that pride, that kills the spirit of Christmas. But, but when you are seeing the truth of the greatness of God revealed to you in his word, that leads to worship. So, so we get into his word. My, my, listen, my, my thinking, my, my desires, it gets all messed up all week long. And I need this to reorient my mind and my heart. Remind me, I'm not as great as I think I am. And he really is the only one that is worthy of worship. There's no way that if you spend this time with him in his word, that you won't walk away worshiping him and in awe of him. Don't, don't, don't get in God's word because you got to do it like a checklist. Get in it to know him. Spend more time in the word than in the mirror. Spend more time thinking about who he is than who you want to be. And spend more time with him than doing life on your own. He said the more we get into God's word, the more we know him, you won't be able to help it. You'll start singing like Mary's singing. My soul magnifies the Lord. Here's the Second element, 
in your worship this Christmas. Note this. Rejoice in your Savior. Rejoice in your Savior. Verse 47, she says, my, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. My spirit. That, so see, she just said soul. Now she's saying spirit. It's actually kind of the same thing, okay? What she's really trying to say is like who I am on the inside, the real me. What does she say? The, my spirit rejoices. The word rejoice here kind of means like she's literally like she's like jumping for joy. Like she is so fired up, so excited. Like on the inside, she's just like leaping, almost skipping for joy. When's the last time you were that excited? And some of you felt that a few weeks ago when we first saw snowfall, right? That you were looking outside and you're like, you're already in the holidays. And you're like, man, this is awesome. I can't wait to go out and play. It's so beautiful. You're super excited. You're like ready to jump, jump for joy. Others of you are waiting for that. You're going to feel that when it starts to melt, right? Like that's when you're going to start to feel it. I don't know. When, when do you feel like that? When, when's the last time? Maybe it, was a, maybe it was a job promotion. Maybe it was a holiday bonus. Maybe it was a touchdown. Maybe it was your, your kids finally potty trained, or you got an hour all to yourself at Target. You found a, a dollar in the couch cushions. Uh, that, 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 that annoying roommate finally moved out. You got a, you got a text from that, that cute guy that you met at Bible study, and, and maybe, um, maybe it was when the Chick-fil-A peppermint chocolate chip milkshake finally arrived. Like, what, what would make you jump for joy? Well, what is it? What is it? What does it say that Mary's? Why? Why? She's she's bursting with joy. Why? Because God's her savior. Okay, we got to remember this because when we talk about Mary, a lot of times we, we we get so confused with Mary, we don't know what to do with her. Sometimes we think that Mary is like this. She's like this perfect saint that that's reached this level that, that you and I could never reach, and 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 she's way up there as as a Christian. Like I, I don't know. This it's not it. She's not a perfect saint. She is a sinner who needs to be forgiven and saved from her sins, just like you and just like me. But she knows that she needs the Lord. She knows that God is the one who can save her. And, and I don't know, maybe in this moment she can't completely comprehend the full significance of God's saving plan, but she at least knows who to look to. She knows that God is my Savior. That word Savior is only used one other time in the book of Luke. And you know it. Luke chapter 2, the angels come and the angel announces to the shepherd, he says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good, to, good news, great tidings of good news, which will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Jesus is our Savior. And even Mary knew that. A few weeks ago, I shared with you this thought from Dr. David Jeremiah that Mary honored and obeyed the will of her father, providing his only son a home from which he would emerge to launch the work that would define all of human history. The child toddled behind her in his infancy. But then in time, she followed behind him all the way to the cross and the tomb. The spirit of Christmas is worshiping Christ because he came to die for you and for me. 
He came to die on the cross, a death that he didn't deserve. To take my place, take your place, so that instead of that death, you could be forgiven. You could be saved and given eternal life. Have you ever heard of better news than that? Let the gospel, this good news, that even though I deserve judgment and I deserve hell, instead, because of Jesus, I am saved. Let that fuel your worship. Let that stir your heart to love him so that we would just say, like, we lift high the name of Jesus in worship. And I got to tell you, that's not just something we want you to come and pay lip service to. It's never just another Sunday at Harvest. We come expecting that we're going to lift God's name up. We're going to, we want to express on the outside the joy that we have on the inside. We want our worship to be pure excitement because Harvest... We have a Savior. That's good news. That's reason for us to rejoice. And if Jesus has saved you from your sins and you know it, then you will at least be jumping on the inside. Not expecting that anybody's going to start like, like when we like play music, that some of you start jumping up and down and, and, and start dancing. Like quite honestly, if you do that, a lot of us will not be thinking about Jesus. But we do really want to be able to grow in our outward expression of our unashamed adoration of Christ. And if we get this, if we know that we have a Savior, and I've got assurance of that, I'll be able to say, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. So Mary can't help it now. She's got a song. And I think we get one more element in our worship this Christmas. Note this. Remember what he's done. So I know that we only got two lines into this thing. We, we can't really do justice to the rest of it. But let me give you the structure just real quick. The, uh, verses 48 and 49, Mary's going to kind of turn it personal. Like reflect on the things that God has done for her personally. And then verses 50 to 55, she's going to uh, think about it corporately, that, that God's, he's done some incredible things for his people. But verse 49, she says this, he who is mighty has done great things for me. Sometimes when we pray, we oftentimes spend a lot more time telling God what we want him to do rather than remembering what he's already done for us. You know that? We have to help our kids with this sometimes where we're praying, hey, we're not just asking here. We have a lot to be thankful for. If all of your prayers are, God, do this, God, do that, then I'll tell you, you're probably having a hard time magnifying him in your soul. You're probably having a hard time rejoicing in his salvation because you forget. You, you, you forget, and, and, and I, I want us to remember, has God done great things for you? Psalm 103. Psalm 103, too, I love this. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I've said this to you before. Why, why, why does he say that? Why does he say, don't forget? That's a command. Probably because we forget, don't we? 
Have we, have we been thinking about the things? Do we spend time reflecting? If, if, if you've not been spending time saying thank you, letting this stir your heart, remembering what he's done fills us with gratitude and worship. So here's what he's done to, for her. Uh, verse 48, she says, he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. I love that. What that, what that means is God looked down on her but he looked down in favor. He looked down and smiled. What it, what it really is, is referencing is that God paid attention to her. And, and that honestly doesn't really make sense because she's, she's not anything special. There's no royalty. There's no riches. There's no great resume. She is completely undeserving, which is why she's like, but now all generations will call me blessed. And we're still talking about Mary 2,000 years later. And that blessing is still, as we've, we've said the last couple of weeks, that's available to us, that we would receive that grace. Has God looked down on you? Has he paid attention to you? You ever, you ever like, wrestle with that? Like, I don't get it. Why? Maybe you're like the psalmist, Psalm 8, that, that says, man, when I look up and I see the heavens, I see what you have made. What is man that you are mindful of him? What, what is the son of man that you care for him? Why? Why do you pay attention to me? Why do you care? It's not because, man, I'm just so impressive and I've, I've caught God's eye on my best day. No, he looks on me on my worst day and he still loves me. He still cares. There's no other way to say it than he's, he's gracious. Verse 50, he says his, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Those who fear him are those that know, like, we're, we're needy. We're at his mercy. And what's crazy is that God, even though I deserve judgment, he doesn't give that to me. Psalm 103.10. It's one of the most shocking verses in all of Scripture. It says, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Does that blow you away? Has God been merciful to you? Has he been kind when you needed it, but no, you didn't deserve it? Yes. Gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. 51. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. So there's some people that, that think that they don't need him because they've got all the power. They've got the authority. They're over people. But God has done this where he has shown them, guess who's in charge? Guess who really has the power? And what's really awesome is that those who are in need that don't have it, that know they're in need, that's when he lifts them up. Verse 53, I love this. He has filled the hungry with good things. Has he satisfied you? And this one means so much to me. Maybe, maybe you've been like me. You, you've had a moment where you were like the prodigal son. And you're sitting in the muck with the pigs Looking around because you, you, you've been running after all these things that you thought were going to make you happy. You thought this was going to bring you satisfaction, and now you are miserable. 
You thought maybe like that relationship, that's what I need. I need that person to really like me. I don't want to be alone. If I could just have that, if I get their affirmation, sex, and I want it, I, I, if, if I could just get that, it's just I need this. This is something I, I want in my life. Parties, I just want to go have fun. I want to be able to drink alcohol and, and just kind of lose control and, and, and drugs. Man, it, it just like numb the pain that I'm feeling. Maybe it's buying stuff. Like if I could just get that, then I'll be happy. I just need a little bit more chasing success. I want, I want people to respect me. I want people to be able to see what I've done, my accomplishments. Man, that'll, that'll, I want popularity. I want people to like me. And the crazy thing is we run after those things, and eventually we, re- we realize like it's just empty. It didn't deliver as promised. But then Jesus showed you that he is satisfied. Jesus showed you that he tastes better, that he's the bread of life, and that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be satisfied. Has he freed you from your lusts? Has he, has he rescued you and given you victory over temptation? Has he given you new and better desires? Has he shown you that he is good? And then she says, verse 44, 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers. That's just a reminder then that God made a whole lot of promises and what Mary is singing is that God has been faithful to those, that he does what he says. Has God been faithful to the promises that he made you? Do you have any reason to be thankful today? Maybe um, you just need to take a little bit of time and say, what, what, what has God done in my life? you have a story? Has God been at work? Can we spend time this Christmas season remembering what he's done? You're not going to be able to help. You're going to be able to sing with Mary. My soul magnifies the Lord. There's no one like him. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. So I'm hoping that this Christmas we'll have that Christmas spirit because on the forefront of our mind, the thing that we love and desire most, we have. And it's Christ. And we want to worship him together. Father, I pray that you would just stir our hearts to that. I pray that we would long for you. We would have a a desire, a new hunger and thirst for righteousness that you'd prove to us again. When we do desire the things that you want us to, you fill those needs. You fill those wants. So Lord, maybe somebody here today just needs to be reminded of that. Somebody here today needs to be reminded that you fulfill your promises, that you are faithful to do what you say you will do. Somebody here needs to be reminded that you are merciful, that even though they deserve judgment, that's not what you want to do. You want to forgive them. You want to give them eternal life. You want to give them grace that they don't deserve. Someone here needs to be reminded that you are paying attention to them. You look down on us. Somehow our humility catches your eye. 
Lord, I pray that you would remind us of the great things that you have done for us. I pray that it would really be on our hearts that we want to magnify you. We want people to focus and see your glory. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name.